Well, well, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Unraveling the Words of Yahweh. My name is Kevin Heitner. So glad to have you tuning in this morning. Oh, man, we are in this book of Revelation, and we're in this chapter 11. And uh, in our last study, we did verses uh, 1 and 2, and we're getting ready to go ahead and get into this, uh, these two witnesses here in verse 3. You know, I, I, I prefer to call this book the Apocalypse. The unveiling, the, the covering, the revealing, the, the coming of Yeshua Messiah. And what John is doing, he's giving us an insight on how the world will be. Especially in that area over there in Israel. Uh, uh, especially around Jerusalem and so forth. And uh, we're coming to the point now where we're in this chapter 11. And he's going to be talking to us about, uh, about uh, the two witnesses and their message. And we're going to get into some great detail on that. But before I get into the into the scriptures this morning, into the actual study, uh, did you guys happen to catch a glimpse of the Grammys last the, uh, the other night, last Sunday? Have you heard about what happened at the Grammys? about the satanic ritual that was performed on stage. Folks, we are losing Christianity. Our young adults, our performers, they're all headed down this satanic road. I want to share with you some of the headlines and some of the articles. Sam Smith wears devil horn top hat during controversial Grammy performance of Unholy. And the Jezebel, the spirit of Jezebel, Madonna, is the one that introduced this. Sam Smith and Kim Petrus. Now, that's a transgender, by the way took to the Grammy stage Sunday night to perform their controversial hit song, Unholy. During the performance, Smith donned a devil horn top hat. Petrus danced in a cage and fire and red lights illuminated the stage. It's downright pathetic. It's satanic worshiping. Unholy, which Smith and Petrus, the Grammy, they won this. The Grammy for the Best Pop Duo Group Performance tells the story of a man carrying out extramarital affair. The performance was introduced by Madonna, who Petrus, the first transgender woman to ever win the Pop Dewey Duo category. Thanked for advocating the LGBTQ community uh, during her acceptance speech. According to People, I guess that's People Magazine. I don't know People. While introducing Smith and Petra, Madonna asserted, if they call you shocking, scandalous, problem problematic, provocated, or dangerous, you're definitely on to something. Wow. And another article out of the truth, out of the truth seeker, satanic unholy Grammy performances presented by Pfizer. And I'm going to get into Pfizer here in a second. All right. This is by the Gateway Pundit. 
The 65th annual Grammy Awards held in Los Angeles Sunday night broadcast on CBS, all controlled by the Illuminati, the Deep State, featured the Grammy usual tribute to the Prince of Darkness, this time apparently sponsored by pharmaceutical giant Pfizer. And we're going to get into Pfizer here. The satanic performance of the 22... The 2022 hit song Unholy by Sam Smith and transgender singer King Pinterest as Mummy Don't Know Daddy's Getting Hot at the Body Shop Doing Something Unholy. And Mummy is spelled M-U-M-M-Y, by the way. Was followed by a, pro a promo that said the Grammy Awards show was sponsored by Pfizer. Jill Biden made a surprise appearance at the end of the show. And then there's a whole bunch of tweets on this website. You go down here. They don't even hide it, folks. Let's watch till the end. They don't even hide it. America, the state of demonic, left in 30 seconds. This is what the United States of America is coming to. We're no longer one nation under God. This nation has fallen into satanic hands. Make no doubt about it. I was one of the very first individuals right here in Sussex County to bring out the fact that we got a satanic, wicked, witch campsite north of Georgetown. It's right here in, in Sussex County. Nobody cares. Heck, Nobody even knew about it. At that time, the sheriff of Sussex County didn't even know it existed. We're so called up in our little world. We're losing the adults, or we're losing the children. Let me put it to you that way. We're losing our children. Smith and Petras were awarded a Grammy at the show for Unholy in the Best Pop Duo Group Performance. In this last article here, Woke Grammys under fire for unholy Satan-worshipping performance. Literally a tribute to Satan. And this is by Thomas Horn. Sam Smith and Kim Petras were roundly condemned after they brought a satanic touch to the Grammy Awards Sunday night. They're not even hiding this anymore. This is despicable. Where are the churches? Oh, that's right. They're sitting on the rump row sucking milk bottles. Their thumbs. Because they're 501c3 and they can't speak out against this. Why can't they? Because the same group that owes CBS, the same group that owes Pfizer, is the same group that owns the churches. If your church is a 501c3, you're owned by the deep state. Plain and simple, folks. No way out it. The duo performed their, their hit Unholy on a night when they won the Grammy for Best Pop Duo Group, according to Variety. Smith began clad in red leather, then added a satanic horn top hat. Petras was shown dancing in a cage surrounded by dancers also wearing satanic headgear. I got to give kudos to Senator Ted Cruz. He did say this is evil. He responded to a Liz Wheeler post that said, Demons are teaching your kids to worship Satan. And that's exactly what's happening today.
It's even in our school systems. Matter of fact, my granddaughter, who's in elementary, fourth grade, was called down for a communication problem at her school because we have a transgender. The, the, the student was born a girl, but this is fourth grade now. Was born a girl, but wants to be a boy. And my granddaughter called this individual by her birth name. She got offended, and she goes down to the principal's office. Folks, this is this is sucking us in, and you don't even realize what's going on. This is a tragic. Now, we're in this book of Revelation. Oh, I'm not done yet. We're in this book of Revelation. And you, you remember back there when we talked about the, uh, there in chapters 2 and 3 about the seven churches, we talked about the Jezebel. And we talked about those claimed to be Jews, but actually are the uh, uh, synagogue of Satan. Pfizer. Now, I'm not going to read the whole article. It's very lengthy. Pfizer's CEO, Albert Borla, belongs to an insensuous Jewish royalty. This is the CEO of Pfizer. The Borla family may be as close to the Jewish royalty as one can get in the Palestine slash Israel. 50 years ago, Victor Rothschild, now listen very carefully, 50 years ago, Victor Rothschild started investing in biotechnology firms in order to treat the Goya infestation. This Victor Rothschild, the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers, they own everything. They are in control. They're stock owners. When I say they own everything, they control the stock. Pfizer CEO Albert Borla, real name is Israel Abraham Borla. He is a cardboard cutout for the British Pilgrims Society, New World Order conspirators. This is who's running Pfizer, folks. The Sephardic rabbinical Borla family has been near royalty in Palestine since the 1700s. They conspired with the bankers Rothschild, Churchills, and the Board of Deputies of British Jews in the mid-1800s to make Israel a British colony masquerading as a Jewish state. The Berlai rabbis in Jerusalem did not hide their eagerness to say yes, yes, yes to the church, Churchill Montefiore, which is Rothschild. He married into the Rothschild family. Pretext letter starting on June 14, 1841. For this cop, uh, 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 cooperation, the Rothschilds owed Burles eternally. For the Burles Rothschild psychophancy, the world is paying dearly through the Pfizer pharmacide of their current favorite son, Israel Abraham Burla, a.k.a. Albert Burla. The Pfizer Pharma side has a parallel of set interlock relationship to the British, German, and Austria aristocrats. Indeed, Charles Pfizer was born in the same Baden-Württemberg district as Germany as Klaus Schwab. 
You know who Klaus Schwab is? Are you still sucking on your milk bottle? Klaus Schwab is the head of the WEF, the World Economic Forum. Now hold on a second, it gets better. As Esker Weiss and company, a Nazi collaborator, follow Eugene Schwab. Schwab and Weiss were uh, also allied with British and American trader, nuclear traders in the OSS, Office of Strategic Services, as a precursor to the CIA and controlled since inception by 1946 by British MI6. Now, here we go. Remember who I told you? Charles Pfizer. Let me go back up. Charles Pfizer, all right? 1824 to 1906, pharmaceutical. Let's go down here now. In Zurich, Switzerland, just 100 miles south of Charles Pfizer's hometown. Uh-oh, you ready for this? Anthony Fauci's great-great-grandfather, Regit Abyss. Uh-oh, didn't we just read something in Revelation chapter 9 about Abyss? He was born in 1790, died in 1861, was the Secretary of War in the New Swiss Republic. He helped founded, along with the founding Swiss, Swiss Federal Institute of Technology that Schwab attended. Oh, by the way, that Swiss Federal Institute of Technology when you take it in the Swedish language, the acronyms is F-E-T-H. Where else have you heard that word, F-E-T-H? That's right. You heard it from me. The Alpha and the Tall, found in the Hebrew manuscripts. Fauci's maternal abyss family crest is a macrobane Crown serpent. Now listen to this. This is Fauci's family history. The family crest <clears throat> is a macrobe crown serpent eating a child. Fauci is part of the deep state. He works hand in hand with Pfizer, Charles Pfizer, who's tied up with Fauci's great great grandfather, Ragged Abyss. Who's tied in with the Rothschilds? Who's tied in with the the uh, the, the Jewish rabbis? Berla, who Berla Albert Berla is the CEO of Pfizer. And we're all going to go to church this morning. Oh, praise Jesus! Hallelujah! Oh, God, save my soul! Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, never getting down to the meat. Never exposing. Let me tell you something. How many of you out there read the Old Testament, especially the prophets? I can honestly say that I've read it over 30 times because I read the Bible every year, through the Bible every year. Nowhere did I ever read about these great prophets, major or minor, standing down, sucking on a bottle's milk. They were exposing the enemies of Israel throughout their prophecies. But do we see these local lunatic churches doing it? No. 
No. I'm going to read a little bit more. I'm going to get in another article here. All right. Indeed, on September 14th, 1618, the Abyss Talic Mine in Pluris, in, uh, uh, Talic Mine, keep in mind Talic now, collapsed and consumed about 2,500 souls instantly. The Abyss family had already moved from Chur, Switzerland, near, near, near where? Near Davos, the headquarters of Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum. Folks, you can't make this up. They were selling talc, 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 I'm sorry, talc, as a lubricant and to be added to medicines, now known to be the carcinogen. In Israel, the Rothschilds notoriously influenced the policy of the Wiseman Institute of Science, founded in 1934. Jacob Rothschild currently serves on the International Board as Rothschilds have found, uh, since inception. I'm telling you what, folks, you can't make this up. They got a picture of Victor Rothschild with his hands folded. Another Illuminati sign. Masonic hand sign. I'm telling you. And then, talk about the churches. How about the Church of England? Oh, yeah. Church of England. Mm -hmm. Same-sex marriages to receive blessings in the Church of England. Same-sex marriages will receive prayers for God's blessings. For the first time in the Church of England, following a vote at the General Synod, the legislative body of the established Church of England. On Thursday, the three houses of the Synod voted in favor of officially recognizing gay marriages for the first time, with priests now being empowered to give their blessings to such unions. Folks. Where is the line in the sand? Where do we stop? Where do we say enough's enough? Oh, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Now, do you understand there in the Gospels when Yeshua Messiah, he speaks to the disciples and said, At my return shall I find faith. For the first time, the Church of England will publicly, unreservedly, and joyfully welcome same-sex couples in the church. How disgusting it is. Degrading. To the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Despicable. What is happening to Christianity? Why aren't we standing up? Why aren't more people getting out, proclaiming the gospel of Yeshua Messiah, exposing, exposing what's happening? You see, that's what's wrong. It's sad. These ministers, I, I don't give a hoot what denomination you are. It doesn't matter to me. These ministers to be standing in the 
pulpits, fire and brimstone over this. Probably won't even hear a peep. You know why? Because we got to go to these 501c3 churches and we got to sit there and we're going to open our little book and the minister's going to stand up there and he's going to read a, a certain sentence. Then you're going to come back and you're going to read the next sentence. Then he's going to read the third sentence and you're going to read the fourth sentence. Or you may go to one of these community churches where they have their rock and roll music festival before the church starts. Then when that's done, Oh well, if you love the music, will you help us help us celebrate? And and, and we're going to pass the plate around. It's sad, despicable. I I can imagine what Yahweh's thinking up there right about now, here in the United States of America. Yeah, it may say, they it may read one nation under God. But we have to ask ourselves, which God is the deep state actually worshiping? Is it the is it the, the, the God of Yahweh, Elohim, Yahweh, Yeshua, Messiah, Alpha Omega, the great I Am? Or is it as Albert Pike says in Morals and Dogma, we as Masonic Masons, we worship Lucifer. He's our light bearer. All right, I believe I hammered this enough. In our last study, we started this chapter 11. And we had literally unraveled the first two verses. In the last part of verse 2, we read that phrase, 42 months. Remember, I showed you that the months are lunar and should be taken based on the lunar calendar, which is approximately 29.5 days. Therefore, in the calendar year, we have approximately 354 days. Whereas the solar calendar is based on approximately 30 days and 365 days in a year. Whenever you see a lunar calendar or a, a lunar in the, in the Bible here, this is always of darkness, which is Satan. Therefore, these 42 months is of Satan, his reign. Now, if we take the 42 months and multiply it by 29.5, we have a total of approximately 1,239 days. When we get to the two witnesses, we shall read that their prophecies are in days, not in the lunar months. Now, before I move, move on to verse 3, allow me to give you some more context concerning these final three and a half years. Prior to this time and currently to this very day, Satan is accusing the saints. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, it reads, Before our Yahweh, day and night. Many people think, well, shoot, Satan's in hell. No, no, he's not. Satan spends much of his time accusing us in heaven, notwithstanding his allegations. His efforts will be useless because the precious blood of the Messiah has permanently cleansed us. Therefore, it remains affected even to this day. But listen up. At the seventh trumpet, at the sounding of the seventh trumpet, something very fascinating is going to happen 
as we're going to later understand. At that time, Satan's rule of the world will be terminated. At that time, he will be expelled from heaven by Michael the archangel. Now, remember, Michael biblically is a divine protector of Israel. He is called Israel's prince in Daniel chapter 10, verse 21, and chapter 12, verse 1. And at that time when this happens, according to Revelation chapter 12, verse 12, all those in heaven will rejoice. And of course, that refers references not only to the angels, but primarily to the saints that are also there. But upon Satan's expulsion from heaven to earth, Satan, now listen up very carefully, we ain't seen nothing yet. Satan will become utterly enraged. He will be furious. He will be stroked out with fury. That's the idea. In fact, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 12, it says that, that when this happens, he will have great wrath. Why? Well, the scripture goes on to say, knowing that he only has a short time. You see, folks, he only got three and a half years. Three and a half years to advance his evil diabolical plot to prevent the purposes of Yahweh of whom he has been jealous of all these years. At this time, Satan will unleash his fury on the believers of the earth, especially those 144,000 Jewish evangelists, as well as the remnant of Jews whom Yahweh has marked out for his possession. Have you ever wondered why there's so much hatred for the Jews? Well, it's because Satan understands. He knows who they are and what Yahweh's up to. Folks, once again, it's all about saving souls. We read earlier in there in Zechariah chapter 13, verses 8 and 9. There's much hatred for the Jews, certainly during this time. Remember that this is the time when two-thirds of the Jews will be killed. One-third will be protected ultimately reconciled to Yahweh. And it's interesting that even Moses, even he described in this Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35, he called it the day of their calamity. And Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7, he says, Alas, for that day is great. There is none like it. And it is a time of Jacob's distress but he will be saved from it. Later on in verse 8, Jeremiah says, and it shall come about on that day, declares Yahweh Sabbath, or Yahweh of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off their neck, I will tear off their bonds, and strangers shall no longer make them slaves. I want you to listen up very closely. This is that season of untold agony for Israel. This is the time in the final three and a half years when the Antichrist will invade the beautiful land in Daniel chapter 11, verse 41. Determined to subdue the whole world, he will make his final move against Jerusalem and Israel in an effort to once and for all rid the world of the pesky Jew. And according to Daniel chapter 11, verse 45, we read that he will pitch the tents of his royal pavilion between the seas and the beautiful holy mountain. Yet he will come to his end and no one will help him.
However, there in Revelation chapter 12, verse 6, we learn more about the outworkings of Yahweh's measuring of the worshipers there in the temple that we just studied last week. There we read that then the woman, in other words, during the time when the Antichrist is pouring out his, his wrath right before the Lord returns, the woman, who's Israel, fled into the wilderness where she had place prepared by Yahweh so that she should be nourished for 1,260 days. Friends, listen up. This will be an organized killing that exceeds all others. This will go far beyond the killing fields and the extermination camps that we read about throughout Israel's history. This will go way beyond what the Romans did in Hitler. Of course, even succeeded that. Daniel 12, verse 1, provides other insight regarding the terrors of that day for Israel. Here's what the prophet tells us. Now at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise. And at that point, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise. And there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until the time and the time of your people. Everyone who is found written in the book will be rescued. Why am I taking great lengths? Because I'm setting up the stage for you. You know, when, when, when I study the book of Revelation, I don't read the words. I focus on what's being said, and I look What's going to happen? I compare it to the prophets of the Old Testament. See, so many times we go to church and they'll sit here. And there was given a reed like a rod. And the angel stood her eyes, measuring the temple of God. And they altered them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out, measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot. Forty and two months, and I will give power. Never getting the detail. Never, never get unraveling what's literally happening. We see it happening today. We talk about diverse earthquakes. Y'all heard what happened over Turkey and Syria. You see, folks, I believe, this is my opinion, Yahweh just set up a wake-up call. Because we know Great earthquakes are coming. The last I heard, they're estimated, what, like 28,000 people died? This is a wake-up coming. You better, you, you, you better find your, you better get right with Yahweh, Yeshua Messiah. You see, by Yahweh's protective grace, many Jews will have heed or will. I should say heed Yeshua Messiah's warnings that he gave there in Matthew chapter 24 to flee unto the wilderness for protection. You will recall actually in Matthew 24 verses 15, I'm going to start where Yeshua states, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whoso readeth and let him understand. Now, this Matthew 24 15, the reason why I came here it's because this abominable desolation can't happen until the temple's built. We're going to find out that these two witnesses are walking around during the time frame 
of the temple. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But I pray ye that your flight be not in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Again, after the Antichrist desecrates the temple, and Satan is cast down, persecution against Israel will be incredible. And yet how glorious to know that many will be saved during that time. Now keep in mind, you heard me in the last studies talk about the ripple effect. The, this ripple effect is going to go worldwide. It's going to affect even here in the United States of America. You see, this will also be a season of unprecedented persecution for a believer, as we read about there in Matthew 24 and later on in Revelation chapter 13. But dear friends, listen up. There is such enormous hope. It shines so brightly beyond the awaiting clouds of calamity and distress. Our sovereign Yahweh is working a plan. It includes the salvation of his church, the Excelsior as well as Israel, his elect. Time of natural resurrection and res restoration is coming, according to Ezekiel chapter 37, a time of spiritual rebirth. Let me ask something. You remember, you remember when Paul was on trial for believing in the Messiah and the resurrection there in Acts chapter 26? I find it interesting. You see, Paul defended himself before his accusers. Matter of fact, in verse 6, Here's what he says. Now, I am standing trial. Now, listen up. Catch this. For the hope of the promise made by Yahweh to our fathers, the promise to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly serve Yahweh day and night. What was that hope? The hope of the kingdom. Then he goes on to say, why is it considerable incredible among you people, if Yahweh does raise the dead. Why? At the close of the three and a half years, this hope will become a reality. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, we read, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Can you imagine can you imagine what it'll be like in that day to see the Jews joining with other new believers? And of course, there will be new believers at that point. Can you imagine to see them come together and sing Amazing Grace together? To sing some of the great hymns that we sung this morning, that I played for you this morning. Unbelievable. But it's going to happen, folks. In fact, the prophet Hosea, he tells us in chapter 6, verse 1, of some of the words that will come from the hearts of the people who have endured for the loving rebuke. Here's what he says, Hosea. The salvation of Yahweh. That's what the Hosea means. This is what he says here in the first three verses. Come, let us return unto Yahweh, for he hath torn. He will heal us. He hath smitten. He will bind us up. 
After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up. We shall, we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know Yahweh. His going forth is prepared as the morning. And he shall come unto us as the rain. As the latter in the former rain under the earth. Wow. Hey, listen up. What a marvelous Savior we serve. And to think that redemption even awaits such a disobedient people as the people of Israel, as well as many other Gentiles from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Aren't you thankful that he saved you and he saved me? What an incredible picture of his redeeming grace. You know, folks, seriously, how I long for that day to see him face to face, to see him return in all his glory. Wow. It will affect the United States of America. It's going to affect us. This is why it's so important that you and I, as believers in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Yeshua Messiah, that we understand Scripture. Because as we, if, we live, if I live long enough to see what's happening over Israel, somewhere along the line, the Lord is going to make it work. That I encounter Jewish believers. And they're going to reach out. And they're going to be asking questions. Looking for answers. Do you know the answers? Are you educated enough in scriptures. To help save a soul. At this time. And why not if you answer no. Remember once again, back there in Matthew chapter 7, there in verse 21 and so forth, he says, depart from me, I knew you not. Why did he know us? Because you never did my will. And what's his will? To reach out to souls, to save the souls. Not the same-sex marriage. Not to worship some kind of satanic ritual on the Grammy Awards, not to sit down and allow you to take these Pfizer vaccine shots for this COVID. Come on, folks. You got to wake up. If you don't know the answer, you take it to the Lord in prayer. He'll guide you. He'll guide you to the answer. But you see what's, you know what the problem is? You know what the problem, the number one problem with Christianity is? Get ready to tell you. Faith. Christians have zero faith. I heard a man one day, and I agree with him 100%. He said, you know what? There is no thing as 10, 20, 30, 40, 50% of faith. It's either zero or 100. There's the fall of Christianity. The Christians do not have 100% faith. And the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the great I am. But we can sit here and we can read about all the great miracles he did. Oh yeah, we believe him. But you allow this to happen in our personal life. We throw it out the door because we have no faith. That's what's wrong with Christianity today. You, you know, I look at the political world. You put your faith in these lunatic up uh, uh, politicians they don't know Yahweh 
Oh, well, they go to church. Yeah, they, yeah, right. They suck their um, bottled milk too, keeping the seats warm. I'll challenge them. I'll challenge these lunatic politicians to see where they really are. Then, oh, well, I go to church. I go to the Methodist church. I go to the Catholic church. I go to the Church of God. I go to the community church out there on 404. I go to the Lutheran church. I go to the Episcopalian church. Well, then why do you vote like you do? Why don't you vote like a Christian? Well, I'm a Masonic Mason. Well, there's your answer. I want to get into this chapter 3 here. Or chapter 3. Chapter 11, verse 3. In verses 3 through 14, we have the account of the two witnesses. Folks, this is one of the most serious and mysterious scenes of the whole apocalypse. It is the test of all interpretations, and one over which many make shipwreck. The particulars of the mission of these two witnesses are, are given with great detail. Any student of Bible prophecy will agree that as we compare the constellations of signs and events that are set forth in the prophetic word, with all that's going on in the world around us, there can be no doubt that the stage is being set for the second coming of the Lord Yeshua Messiah. There's no doubt these are troubling days. These are difficult days. But dear friends, listen up. These are also exciting days. There are many signs that Yeshua promised and the prophets and the apostles made mention of. For example, Yeshua Messiah said that before he comes uh, before he comes to the world, we'll be living in the days of Noah, eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. And certainly, as you look around the world today, there's they're granted indifference towards the reality that Yeshua Messiah is coming again and judgment is coming upon the earth. If you don't believe that, just go tell people in your office, your friends, your neighbors. Just tell them, you know what? Yeshua Messiah is going to come pretty soon and he's going to judge the world. And you better be ready. And, and just see what their action will be. Try it out. Especially in these woke up liberal schools and so forth. Yeshua Messiah, he predicted that before he comes, the world will be marked by persecution against Christians. We see that happening. Apostasy. Unbelief. In fact, in Luke chapter 18, verse 8, Yeshua Messiah, he's asked, when the Son of Man comes, Will he find faith on earth? The implied answer is, nope, not much. True faith will be extremely rare when the Lord returns. And that's what we're seeing today. Yeah, there's a lot of religious people, a lot of spirituality, but very few people truly know and love the living Messiah. Few enter through the narrow gate of brokenness and repentance, partly because it's so hard to even find these days with the neo-evangelical gospel that's being preached. We are told that there will be a Laodicean lukewarmness among Christians, a condition marked by superficial love for the Messiah, by doctrine indifference, doctrinal ignorance, and certainly a disinterest in anything that's such holy. The moral compromise would therefore fill the so-called church. Much of the church today, by the way, quite frankly, 
bears no resemblance to the New Testament church that we read there in Acts and so forth. Can you imagine? I got to stop for a second. Can you imagine Paul going into a synagogue and two gay men saying, oh, dear brother Paul, could you bless our marriage? Could you? Oh, my. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Seriously. Could you see Peter or John or any of the great disciples walk into a temple or a synagogue? Two women walking up. Oh, Peter, we know that you you walk with the master. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Will you give your blessing and will you marry me and my lovely wife here? Oh, mercy. And then, oh, uh, Church, oh Church of England. Got to love them. Now we got a problem with the gender of God, Yahweh. So we're not really sure if Yahweh, or let me put it to you this way, God is male or female. So now we got to do a gender neutral. Oh yeah, you can't make this stuff up, folks. Man, I tell you what. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The great X. The Alpha and the Tall. This is why it's so important that you understand. You read the Hebrew manuscripts. When I see that word, et, the Alpha and the Tall. If, you, if I got a new listener out there, what I'm talking about here. The Alpha is the, the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The Tall is the last letter. It's just like there in the book of Revelation chapter 1. Yeshua Messiah says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's in the Greek. So he's the Alpha and the Tall. Well, when you read it in the Hebrew manuscript, you'll read that et. The letter A, Alf, is a picture of an ox head. It symbolizes the head, a ruler, the head of the family. The Tal, the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, it's a picture of two cross sticks. Huh. Let's see, who do you know was a ruler of the family, the house? And what's it got to do with two sticks? Yeshua Messiah on the cross. Now, if Yeshua Messiah is the Eth, that means he's also Yahweh. So if this is in my little nutty world, all right? You got to come into my little nutty world. So I believe that Yeshua Messiah, therefore Yahweh has to be a male figure. Not a transgender or female like these Church of England wants to proclaim. You see what's happening, folks? But we're going to sit there and we're going to allow these church denominations, these high. I talk about the 501c. I'm going to talk about the Protestant churches. That's the Episcopals, the Methodists, you know, the, the Lutherans, and all four. You know, let me tell you something. You guys are part of the United World Council, the National Council of Churches. This is where all this is coming from. You're part of that group. If your church is part of that new world order of churches, get out. Seriously, get out. They're corrupt. They're evil. I talked about this many years ago. They're evil. In many cases, if not most cases, people have 
escalated the gospel in order to, to be seeker sensitive. That is really not the gospel at all. Now, people tend to worship a newly invented Yeshua, a smiley face. Yeshua that winks at sin. Wink, wink. Oh, two men are getting married. Wink, wink. Two women are getting married. Wink, wink. Oh, yeah. We're creating the image of Yahweh. Oh, yes. Yeah, so we're going to change it. We're going to be a transgender. Wink, wink. We are told that lawlessness will increase. In other words, there will be an utter disregard for Yahweh's law. And we look around the world today and we see a tumble increase in wickedness. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that in the last days, difficult times will come. Referring to a perilous or savage times. Matter of fact, he goes on to say there in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Convincious, boosters, proud blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Huh? You catch that? Unholy. We're going to sing a, a song about unholy. Worship Satan without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good. They're traitors. Heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than the lovers of Yahweh, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Let me read that last one. Because this is what was happening. Having a form of godliness. Even your Masonic ministers standing in the pulpit. But they're denying the power thereof. They're denying the power of the godliness. From such, turn away. So, what Paul just said here, if you have a, a 32nd degree Masonic minister, get out. If you got a lesbian minister, get out, Methodist Church. If you're going to a rock and roll community church, get out. Paul goes on to say, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Today, look around us. All you have to do is look around, even in the leadership of our country, with our politicians, and you will see the narcissism, the materialism, the self-indulgence is now at an all-time high. There will also be signs pertaining to Israel. Today we see Massey's immigration occurring in Israel as well as the United States. Matter of fact, the prophet Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 33, where he, we read about Yahweh promising to restore Israel to her land. Here we go in Ezekiel chapter 20. El is my strength. Verse 33. As I live, saith Adonai Yahweh, surely with a mighty hand, with a stretched out arm, and with fury poured out, I will rule over you. I'm going to stop now. You see that last part? I will rule over you. That's what Israel's is. Whom El rules. So we're looking at two different things here. We're looking at a spiritual Israel, which is Christians, you and I. And we're looking at Israel as a nation, the people of Israel. Here's where the people of Israel have failed. 
They have failed the true rule of the great I am because they rejected the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, his only begotten son, Yeshua Messiah. Verse 34, and I will bring you out from the people. What people? Well, I just read to you all those up there in 2 Timothy that Paul wrote to. And will gather you out of the countries wherein you are scattered. With a mighty hand, with a stretched out arm, and with fury poured out. And I will bring you into the wilderness of the people, and there will I plead with you face to face. And buddy... You will be shaken. And we know as we read the prophet literature. That this is going to happen. Who would have believed that out of the ash heap of the Holocaust. You would now be able to witness the miracle of Israeli state. That began in 1948. And again today. They are returning to Israel by the thousands. Listen up. Keep your eyes on Israel. Yahweh will never violate his unconditional promise to his people. Even in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 44, we read, And yet, for all that, when they be in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, neither will I abhor them, to destroy them utterly, to break my covenant with them, for I am Yahweh their Eliahim. But I will, for their sakes, remember the covenant of their answers. That's Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt, bondage, in the sight of the heathen, that I might be their Eliahim. I am Yahweh. Likewise, once again, the prophet Jeremiah repeats his promise, as many others do. Matter of fact, in uh, chapter 31, verse 35, Jeremiah, Thus saith Yahweh, which giveth the sun for a light by day, take notice, day, and the ordinance of the moon and the stars for light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar. Yahweh Sabbath is his name. Listen very carefully. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith Yahweh, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus saith Yahweh, if heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth search out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, saith Yahweh. Those verses are very important, folks. Listen up here. He tells you, he gives the sun for light. The ordinance of the moon and the stars. He divided the sea. But what's man trying to do? Man through technology. Over there at Swiss, by the way. The et that I talked to you about earlier. He was saying, if all those ordinances depart from before me, then the seed of Israel shall cease. Now, once again, the seed of Israel. Whom el rules this is a spiritual battle the implications he will never forsake them again again who would imagine that the most persecuted people on the planet would now be a world power 
In Daniel chapter 7, beginning at verse 23, there's a description of a coming one, a one world government, which will eventually splinter possibility into a 10-nation confederacy, as we read there in Psalms 83, that will thrive until the end of the tribulation under the leadership of the Antichrist. And today we can look around, and we can see the world heading towards that, we look even at our own country. We see the collapse of the United States dollar. We see debt as well as commitments that far exceed our ability to ever pay. We see an utter disregard for our Constitution. And we see the dismantling, frankly, of capitalism and the freedoms that our country has enjoyed over the years as an all oligarchy takes over the government and imposes their Marxist ideologies upon us all. You see, folks, the world is being prepared for a one-world ruler. We also know prophetically that prior to the Lord's, Lord's return, there will be a battle of Gog and Magog that we have studied in the past in Ezekiel 38, 39, also Psalms 83. There will be a Russian, Esau-led coalition of primary Muslim, Ishmael, countries that will come down upon Israel, that will include Iran. Certainly an Israeli preemptive strike could set that into motion very, very quickly. We know that according to the prophetic word, they will be utterly defeated in the mountains of Israel. The Jews will finally be able to get rid of the Dome of the Rock and build their temple there in Jerusalem. In fact, today, the Jews have everything in place to build and to furnish and even operate the temple to the great consternation of the Muslim world. Matter of fact, you heard me say it so many times about ex-president Donald Trump. Everybody was so glorified over. He's a Kabbalist, a Luciferian. He's Masonic. Him, I got pictures of him and he's dead, Masonic. You see, folks, on the outside, these people look godliness. This is why it's so important you understand Scripture. Flee from them. Get away from them. Talking about the Temple Mount. In fact, the Temple Mount, the place where Abraham was provided a substitute for Isaac, where the glorious Shekinah hovered over the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies once upon a time. The place today, as you know it, if you listen to anything on the news, is the most disputed piece of real estate in all of the world. And I might also add, as I've said before, that is the key to understanding Bible prophecy because it will be on the spot where the Messiah will one day, once again, shine. It will be on that spot that the Jews will be allowed to build another temple during the tribulation under the protection of the Antichrist during the first half of Daniel's 70th week. But then, Enraged by the witnesses of the two witnesses that we will look here at later on, the Antichrist will violate this co uh, covenant with Israel and demand that the world worship him according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4 and other passages. Then he will erect a robot likeness of him in the place of the Holy Holies. That's called the abomination of desolation. The Jews will then refuse to worship him thus infuriating the Antichrist, who will then seek to destroy them. And all of this will lead ultimately to the Battle of Armageddon, 
with the demonic spirits, according to Revelation chapter 16, verse 14, will draw the kings of the world together for a battle on the great day of Yahweh Almighty. And then, folks, the Lord will return in power. Great glory, according to Matthew chapter 24. The Lord said, Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights in the days of the battle. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, and the Mount Mount of Olives will be split into two from east to west, and then the Lord will be king over the whole earth, according to Zechariah chapter 14, verses 3, through 3, 4, and 9. I can't help but think of Jude, in the book of Jude, verses 14, 15, and 16, and Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment upon all, to convince all that are ungodly among them all of their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurs, complainers, walking after their own thrust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of the advantage. This is what's happening today, folks. This is what's happening. We see it in the stages. Each and every day is getting closer and closer. You know, we're waiting for the Messiah. But in all reality, why wait? We already have the Messiah within us, that Holy Spirit. When you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit grafts with your spirit. You see, these Jews. They're still waiting for the Messiah. They rejected the true Messiah, Yeshua Messiah. It's you and I. We have to go out. We have to educate them. We have to show them the scriptures. We have to compare scriptures to what's happening today. And I'm talking about this is why we study. And study to show ourselves approved. In verses 3 and 4. We have first the equipment and the endowment. Verses 5 and 6, the judgment on their enemies and the elements. Verses 7 and 10, their sufferings. Verses 11 and 12, the reward. And then in verse 13, the avengement. I'm not going to, I'm just going to read. And we're going to pick this up next Sunday. John here. And I will give power unto my two witnesses. And they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred three score days, cloth in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before Yahweh of the earth. If any man will hurt them, Fire proceedeth out of their mouth, 
and devoureth their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have the power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, have power over the waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all the plagues as often as they will. These two witnesses. We're going to unravel these two witnesses next week as we continue our study here in this chapter 11. As I close out this morning, I can't help but think of what is said there in the Gospel of John chapter 15 verse 5 and Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. This is what it reads in part. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. As you and I, as we abide in Yeshua Messiah, spiritual fruit develops in our lives. You see, this occurs through the work of the Holy Spirit. Applying the grace resources of Yahweh to our inner man. This spiritual produce then appears as godly character within us. You see, love is, is the primary indication that we are trusting the Lord to bring fruit in us. The fruit of the Spirit is love. In fact, some see love as the singular fruit with joy, peace, and so forth as aspects of that love. You see, this is divine love, agape love, a love that flows from the heart of Yahweh. Beloved, let us love one another, for the love is of Yahweh. There in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Such love is not stirred by lovability of the object. It is a unique, heavenly love available only from the Lord. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. You see, joy is gladness of heart, an inner spiritual happiness that does not depend upon circumstances. It is a spiritual delight in the Lord that is always available no matter what is happening around us. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. This peace is related to the sense of hostility between parties. It affects our relationship with the Lord. We have peace with Yahweh through our Lord Yeshua Messiah. Paul writes in Romans 5.1. It also impacts our relationship with others. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both, that's to say Jew and Gentile, one, has broken down the middle wall of division between us, as Paul writes to the Ephesians there in chapter 2, verse 14. This peace also involves a spiritual calm, tranqu tranquility, within our hearts. Be anxious for nothing, 
but in everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to Yahweh. And the peace of Yahweh, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Yeshua Messiah. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. Long-suffering would include patience and forbearance. It would embrace a willingness to forgive and to not seek vengeance. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, Put on long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. Now I want you to note carefully, we do not produce these qualities by our capabilities. You see, this is a fruit, is a work of Yahweh in us. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Dear Heavenly Father, my hope and my sufficiency, I readily confess that at times I am unloving, joyless, strife-torn, and even impatient. Dear Yeshua Messiah, my Lord and Savior, I want to abide in you. I'm asking, dear Heavenly Father, I'm asking in that precious name, please work in me by your Holy Spirit. I ask that you could bring forth, increasing in my life, this beautiful and spiritual crop of what we would call Christ-likeness. Help me to be a better individual, to be a better person for your cause, for your will. Father, I pray for those out there this morning that may know may not know Yeshua Messiah as their personal Savior. I pray that they come to know him as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I pray for my listeners spiritually and physically for their needs. Lord, I pray that those walking in darkness come to the light, the true light as foretold there in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. He is our light. Father, I ask that myself and those listening out this morning, that we become warriors, soldiers for your cause, reaching out, saving the souls, doing your will. I pray for this nation. I pray that this nation wakes up and realizes that we are one nation under God, one nation under Yahweh, and that your word supersedes any word of man. Thank you, Father. Thank you for all things. In your blessed name, we give all glory and thanks. Amen. Amen. I thank you guys so much for tuning in this morning. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to either call me or text me. My cell phone number is one 302 299-2701. That's 299-2701.